Greetings, this is podcast number 61 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. Today, I'm going to tell you about two of the most important and damning statistics in the world, and then link them to right-wing policies. We'll also try to decide what to call the deadly result of these policies. Is that result properly called terrorism, or just unfathomable violence? We'll also hear from a listener who abandoned his Republican ideology as a result of listening to episodes of this podcast. Let's get right into it. My sources are the New York Times, USA Today, Infoplease.com, the Interpress Service, the Vatican website, AFLCIO.org, the British newspaper The Guardian, Wikipedia, the World Health Organization, the UN Development Program, the Institute for Food and Development Policy, located at foodfirst.org, and the CIA Factbook. Near the top of my Rational Radical homepage, in a very prominent position, I put a counter. It looks like a car odometer, but unfortunately it's an odometer unlike any other. Every day it counts up to 30,000, then starts again the next day. Every week it tallies 210,000. Every month, 900,000. In a year, my counter advances 11 million times. What is it counting? what I call the single most horrific statistic in the world. Each turn of my counter marks a child under five in the developing world dying of hunger or preventable disease. Could you ever fathom such a thing? Every day, 30,000 children under the age of five. Every year, 11 million children under the age of five die around the world from hunger or preventable disease. This is not a leftist talking point statistic, a Jack Clark made-up number. It's a number agreed upon by everyone from the right-wing World Bank to the UN agencies charged with fighting world hunger. According to the UN's Food and Agricultural Organization, quote, Each year, chronic hunger and malnutrition kills millions of people. This hidden famine stunts their development, saps their strength, and cripples their immune system. Where hunger is widespread, mortality rates for infants and children under five are high, and life expectancy is low. Most children are dying because they lack adequate food and essential nutrients, which leaves them weak, underweight, and vulnerable. These children are highly at risk from infectious diseases. The four biggest killers of children in developing countries are diarrhea, acute respiratory illness, malaria, and measles. Close quote. How horrific is this 11 million number? Well, every year, cancer kills 7 million people around the world. AIDS kills 3 million people around the world. Cancer and AIDS combined, globally, kill 10 million people a year. But hunger and preventable disease kill 11 million, and all of them are little kids who haven't lived at all yet, haven't had any life at all before they're cruelly and unnecessarily gone. I discovered this fact 23 years ago. It's part of what got me reactivated politically. 
put bluntly, got me angry, furious, outraged, made me regain my passion to fight injustice and oppression, which of course means fighting the right wing. But as I mentioned earlier, there are two statistics. The other statistic works synergistically with the 11 million children dying statistic. Each number is bad enough on its own, but together they could make a stone cry. It's what truly pushed me over the line. What is this second stat? It is that there is enough food right now on the planet Earth to make everyone, to put it bluntly, fat as hell. What am I talking about? Quote, Abundance, not scarcity, best describes the world's food supply. Enough wheat, rice, and other grains are produced to provide every human being with 3,200 calories a day. That doesn't even count many other commonly eaten foods. Vegetables, beans, nuts, root crops, fruits, grass-fed meats, and fish. Enough food is available to provide at least 4.3 pounds of food per person a day worldwide. Two and a half pounds of grain, beans, and nuts, about a pound of fruits and vegetables, and nearly another pound of meat, milk, and eggs. Close quote. If there's so much food in the world, why is there so much hunger? And of course, since diarrhea, malaria, and measles shouldn't be killing anyone at all, why is there so much preventable disease? Why are 11 million children dying every year from hunger and preventable diseases? The answer? Their families are too poor to buy the food that is almost always readily available right where they live. It's economic injustice, not scarcity, that kills them. Their families are too poor to buy the medicines they need to save their children. It's economic injustice that kills them. Quote, the problem is that many people are too poor to buy readily available food. Even most hungry countries have enough food for all their people right now. Many are net exporters of food and other agricultural products. Close quote. These countries export food while millions of their little babies and toddlers die of hunger. Doesn't the juxtaposition of these two facts drive you insane? Millions die of hunger, but there's an overabundance of food in the world. It drives me insane when it doesn't make me cry. I didn't know whether I'd start to cry when I recorded this podcast. I haven't yet, and if I do, I'll edit it out. No need for you to hear that. Maybe you have your own crying to listen to. How could this hell-on-earth situation exist? Several years ago, I came across a story that said 6,000 children die each year in El Salvador from hunger. Just think for a second. El Salvador exports sugar, coffee, and shrimp. Don't we get so much of our fruits, vegetables, and coffee from countries like Mexico and El Salvador? Why is El Salvador, why are all these countries exporting food when they have malnourished children dying within their own borders? More broadly, why is the best farmland in these countries used to grow food and other items for export, while the farmers who grow food for themselves and their countrymen to eat have access to only the most marginalized land? It's all part of the global food system. 
the bulk of world hunger is caused not by scarcity of food or by droughts or by overpopulation but by this type of injustice the United States is a key player in this global food system first our huge comparatively ultra wealthy population creates enormous demand for these export crops fueling the spread of export agriculture around the world second the United States has always provided crucial support political economic and military to the undemocratic or pseudo-democratic governments which rule these nations rule in the interest of those who steal the best land to grow export crops and then brutally crush any campesino or peasant protests against that theft so in effect we steal food from the third world poor by using our economic might to cause the best farmland in those countries to be used to grow food for us not for the inhabitants of those countries and we ensure the continued malnourishment unto death of so many of their children by our longtime support of the governments in those countries which with our full knowledge torture and commit other horrific human rights abuses against those who try to change the situation to give just one example a particularly blatant episode occurred in Guatemala in 1954 the progressive democratically elected government there wanted to expropriate unused farmland from the United Fruit Company so the CIA overthrew that government and installed a brutal dictatorship which lasted for decades and committed what has been called genocide against the indigenous population of that poor nation the corporate media virtually never discussed the issue of world hunger in this fashion let's take a quick break Left, the right the right Left, the right the right you may get a right-winger telling you oh the free market will solve this problem of mass death among the children of the world I say balderdash I can't say the real word I had in mind quote a market is good government is bad formula can never help address the causes of hunger such a dogmatic stance misleads us that a society can only opt for one or the other when in fact every economy on earth combines the market and government in allocating resources and distributing goods the markets marvelous efficiencies can only work to eliminate hunger however when purchasing power is widely dispersed so all those who believe in the usefulness of the market and the necessity of ending hunger must concentrate on promoting not the market but the consumers in this task the government has a vital role to play in countering the tendency towards economic concentration through genuine tax credit and land reforms to disperse buying power toward the poor recent trends towards privatization and deregulation are most definitely not the answer close quote the same the exact opposite is true is the case with the right-wing claim that free trade is the answer quote the trade promotion formula has proven an abject failure at alleviating hunger 
In most third world countries, exports have boomed, while hunger has continued unabated or actually worsened. While soybean exports boomed in Brazil to feed Japanese and European livestock, hunger spread from one third to two thirds of the population, where the majority of people have been made too poor to buy the food grown on their own country's soil. Those who control productive resources will, not surprisingly, orient their production to more lucrative markets abroad. We know that since the North American Free Trade Agreement was passed, millions of Mexican corn farmers have been bankrupted, unable to compete with American agribusiness giants, and many had to flee north to the United States to earn money to feed their hungry families. Of course. This global food system is but a part of the larger worldwide right-wing economic order imposed on the entire planet by the Western industrialized nations. You have to weave all of this together. It's one seamless pattern of evil. We discussed this global economic structure in detail in podcast 56. In short, there are four methods the West uses to economically exploit the third world. They are one sweetheart contracts between corrupt third world governments and foreign multinationals that allow third world natural resource wealth to be plundered. Two unfair conditions of international trade. Three the making of dubious loans to corrupt third world governments, which entrap those nations on a downward spiraling debt treadmill. And four. The imposition of misery and death-inducing conditions upon third-world nations as a prerequisite to further assistance. These conditions are the so-called neoliberal—a misnomer, their right-wing—structural adjustment programs, which are based on those very free-market, free-trade theories that have proven so disastrous all over the third world. What more do you need to know than the lament of the former chief economist of the World Bank and 2001 Nobel laureate in economics Joseph Stiglitz about such International Monetary Fund (IMF) policies? Quote, We saw in East Asia, Latin America, Russia, and Africa how they made things worse. Unequivocally, if they had fully followed the IMF advice, the patient would have been much sicker. In East Asia, the country that did not take IMF advice, Malaysia, had the shortest and shallowest downturn and the least legacy of debt. The country that was best in managing the IMF in some way, Korea, recovered the fastest. The countries that took the medicine, Thailand and Indonesia, had the worst performance. Close quote. If this quote sounds familiar. It's because I've read it in probably half of the last several podcasts, because it's that important. And now you know the final piece of the puzzle. When Stiglitz talks of countries having the worst performance result from right-wing policies, that's an economist speaking. When we speak of the result of these right-wing policies, we say in more human terms. That the result of these policies is more human misery, suffering, pain, and death, all of which contribute to the stat we started off with today: 11 million children a year around the world dying of hunger and preventable disease, extreme poverty being the ultimate culprit. 
Yes, such extreme poverty and death is a deliberate, to-be-expected result of an economic structure imposed on the world by the Western industrialized nations. This global economic system is one designed and enforced by the United States and the other Western powers. The structure is unmistakably right-wing. At its essence, it seeks to transfer wealth globally from everyone else to the rich, and necessarily is part of that effort to prevent the poor from gaining their fair share of the Earth's resources as the fruit of their labor, or even to work at all. Deliberately created extreme poverty is why 11 million children under the age of 5 die every year around the world, when 20% of the world's population hoards 86% of the world's wealth, which is the result of this global economic structure, there's simply not enough left for everyone else to survive. These 11 million children are some of the victims. Increased human misery, suffering, pain, and death, indeed. I started off telling you about the counter on my homepage. The headline over that counter reads, World's Worst Terrorism. Is this world economic structure that causes 11 million children's deaths every year terrorism? Some in our country seem to think it belongs in that category. Quote, Nearly 11 million children do not live to see their fifth birthday every year due to a lethal combination of malnutrition and mostly preventable diseases, according to a new article in the Lancet Journal, a catastrophe that experts say is needless. Quote, Every single day, 365 days a year, an attack against children occurs that is 10 times greater than the death toll from the World Trade Center, said Jean-Pierre Habick a professor of epidemiology and nutritional sciences at Cornell University. We know how to prevent these deaths. We have the biological knowledge and tools to stop this public health travesty, but we're not yet doing it, said Habicht, one of the child health researchers publishing a five-article call to action in The Lancet, close quote. An attack against children. Terrorism. Now, I myself obviously think of it as terrorism, the deliberate imposition of massive misery, pain, suffering, and death on the third world to achieve a desired economic result, the transfer of wealth to the already too rich, and a political result as well, to so weaken the people there that they won't have the strength to fight back. But they do fight back. That's a story for another podcast. And you know what? I don't want to take any chance of not having the focus be on the children. Forget about what word we use. If it's not terrorism, then let's just call it violence. Economic violence, if you prefer. The world's worst violence. That it is violence, who could deny? Even a lesser economic evil has been termed an unjust use of force by one of the 20th century's leading anti-communists, Pope John Paul II. Quote, Every individual has a natural right to procure what is required to live, and the poor can procure that in no other way than by what they can earn through their work. A workman's wages should be sufficient 
to enable him to support himself, his wife, and his children. If through necessity or fear of a worse evil, the workman accepts harder conditions because an employer or contractor will afford no better, he is made the victim of force and injustice. Close quote. Force is being used against a victim, and injustice occurs when someone is not paid a living wage. How much more so is it force and violence when the low pay is so low, or there's even literal exclusion from working at all, being made superfluous, as is the case with so many of the third world poor, that the result is the deaths of millions of children. As a U.S. labor union leader said, these words of the Pope, quote, give no comfort to advocates of the new social Darwinism dominating the global economy, close quote. Social Darwinism, we don't have time to get into that now, see podcast 20, the cruel governing philosophy of the right wing. Yes, the right has created and seeks to perpetuate a global survival of the fittest. And these poor 11 million children just don't, and never will, in the cold, hard, steely, calculating eyes of the right wing, make the grade. So there you have it. A toll of children equal to 10 9-11s every day. 10 September 11ths each and every day. The death count equivalent of a holocaust every six months. Every six months, a holocaust level death toll. A largely unremarked genocide, as it were, against poor children of color. It's the worst statistic in the world. I challenge anyone to find a worse one. And as you now know, it's not just the way things are, or the result of Mother Nature, or any other excuse. It's the clearly foreseeable result of deliberate actions in the right-wing mold. It's the worst statistic in the world, and also one of the least talked about. 9-11, billions of words. 3,000 9-11s every year, nary a word. Except from those of us committed to passionately fighting this ultimate right-wing machinery of death. You've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We're mad as hell, and we ain't going to take it anymore. No justice, no peace. We're mad as hell, and we ain't going to take it anymore. No justice, no peace. And now a word from another progressive podcaster.
bestoftheleftpodcast.com. When the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. Now, you recall, before George W. Bush came along, the last national leader to claim that preemptive attacks were appropriate was Adolf Hitler when he attacked Poland in 1930. I think it was 39. It takes a lot of degeneration before a country falls into dictatorship. But we should avoid these ends by avoiding these beginnings. That's the type of legacy that historians will say has been left by America's newest, worst president. What word comes to mind when you, when you hear the phrase President Bush? The three words were incompetent, idiot, and liar. Best of the Left podcast. Real radio, real liberal. Condensed into neat, commute-sized chunks. Only at bestoftheleftpodcast.com. Okay, that first segment was long, and I could end things now, but I did say I was going to catch up on listener email, so let me get at least one in here. It will provide a somewhat upbeat counterpoint to that first segment. This is a very gratifying email I received from a listener who asked to be identified as Aaron, progressive Christian and former Republican from West Hartford, Connecticut. Here are some excerpts. Quote, I'm writing to tell you what I think about your podcast, specifically how it's affected me and how it's affected change in my life. Just for a bit of context, I used to consider myself a pretty moderate Republican. On social issues, I tended to the left, but I was to the right on everything else, and this stance led to many arguments with my very liberal brother. He got sick of fighting with me, I guess, or perhaps he just figured out a better way to convert me, and so he turned me on to blast the right. I said I would, but didn't get around to it until I got a nasty flu and was bedridden for several days. Your first broadcast on Rush Limbaugh and how some right-wingers are like the BTK killer really kind of freaked me out. That first quote, Roosevelt is dead. Roosevelt is dead! His policies may live on, but we're in the process of doing something about that as well. Horrified me, because in spite of my being moderately conservative, I had great respect for Roosevelt and the New Deal. My grandparents were crushed by the Great Depression, especially my grandfather who lost his job and couldn't find work for years. He was saved by Roosevelt's project to build roads through the Smoky Mountains. That single quote by Rush horrified me and began to open my eyes. As I continued to listen to your podcasts, my outrage soared. Outraged, I began to understand the foundation of people like Rush, and consequently, I began to understand right-wing patterns. I never realized how much of their agenda is designed to benefit a small, greedy, and elite group. Yet more surprisingly than that, I began to recognize the many ways they pursue and succeed that greedy agenda through lies and deception. In your podcast that contrasts Jesus and his example with the right-wingers' behavior, I saw how right-wingers dupe us by an appearance of Christian concern, and, at the same time, they paint liberals as immoral, as godless, as Ann Coulter titled. I'm a Christian myself, and I'm now staunchly fighting an aspect of my Christian fellowship. Sadly, it's just like a given that you have to be a Republican if you go to church. I also have learned a lot from your podcast dealing with Chavez, Latin America, illegal immigration. 
I never realized how so much of right-wing policy on these issues is really about power, about controlling our hemisphere, which again benefits corporations and the greedy elite at the expense of everyone else, especially those weakest and most vulnerable. So I want to thank you. Please continue doing what you're doing. You're welcome, Aaron, and I will continue the good fight. I hope out there that many more of you Republicans and even right-wingers are seeing the light. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on my podcast homepage. You can get to the podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. I want to thank all of you out there. Over a hundred people stepped up and went to vote at podcastalley.com since last week. And Blast the Right is still holding steady at number seven on the Podcast Alley Top Ten. That appears on the Podcast Alley homepage and gets a lot of exposure and publicity for Blast the Right. There's still time this month to vote, so if you haven't done so, please go over there and vote. It only takes a second. And remember, voting starts all over again at the beginning of each month. So, please go vote right on the first, and we can jump up to the number one spot and hold it for as long as we can. A special shout-out to all you Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. Great to have you on board. Consider going over to the podcast homepage. You can download and listen to any episode of any podcast anytime you want. Let's now hear a word from the Progressive Podcast Network. He deserves more than impeachment. Hi, this is Nancy of Wake Up AM, Wake Up America podcast. Kathy, Meg, and I are proud to be members of the Progressive Podcast Network. Check out all of the great podcasts over at NewMediaRevolution.org. Music credits. Bumper music was The Schnee Speaks by KG House combined with the alternative Blast the Right theme. Peter Finch playing Howard Beale in the classic film Network combined with No Justice, No Peace by Wacky Avelli and Not the One Blues by Burnshee Thornside. We'll close with the always uplifting last verses of Taking My Country Back by Honky Tonkers for Truth. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Special thanks to Tom Hartman for the Rush Limbaugh clip. Check out Tom Hartman's phenomenal radio show. A note, if you send me an email the afternoon of September 25th, I had some computer problems and it could have gotten lost. So, if you haven't received a response, send it again, please. And as always, I love to continue getting all your comments. They're terrific. Send them to rational at adelphia.net. You can call and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. You can also leave a message by Skyping me. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. Now you don't Lord knows I love this land
don't like I've been treating my stars and stars 